The warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hi, I'm Bex. I have experience teaching across the primary school age range. I also have been previously been a deputy head and also am involved in initial teacher training. Hi, I'm Abby Marison, Education Programme Manager from Festival Bridge, and I was a primary school teacher for 10 years. And today we are exploring English learning outcomes with this week's folktale from rural England. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Farmer and the Boggart. There you can sign up to become an epic educator, which will let you stream a video of me telling the story for your children, get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the colossally colourful Mario Coelho, download the full audiobook anytime, and even pick up some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Abby and Bex here by looking and seeing what English lesson activities we can get out of Farmer Rob's adventures with the Boggart. Um, who'd like to kick us off here? Are we going to kick off at the lower end of the school or the high end of the school? Oh, I'm happy to start. Go for it, Abby. I think one of the things that that really struck me uh, when I was having my first reading of, of the story, the way the Boggart was introduced, and I just really wanted to visualize this creature I had Gollum from Lord of the Rings and I had all these kind of dark and creepy creatures come to me so because of that I really would want to because that's how I read it as a grown-up but I, I really would want to use some activities to tease out the language with the young people and, and use talking partners and use uh, you know really develop their oracy around questioning some of that language so mm where you've got some of the the key things to say to them you know how, how do we know what the boggart look, looks like so they can say you know he was a large man bent forward or he was the size of a cow but then once you've managed to to pull out and I think I, I found six key things to describe him what I'd want to do is is really get them to talk about well if you had to then draw that how do you know how big a cow is is a cow always the same size? Can it be smaller? Can it be bigger? And really sort of ask some pretty basic questions that will make some nice talking points. And especially if you're early on in the year and actually talking partners is a real um, skill in itself on how to talk to a partner, yeah. giving them some quite basic things to talk about is quite a nice way just to practice that skill, just to, mm. to get them started. And um, if and I'm really really glad that you said that, Abby, because um, I was thinking about the um, the description of the boggart in the story and how you'd use that with the older children. So are you age eight and upwards? So year three um, onwards. And I think that I would do something um, to do with writing and then um, drawing and then writing a character description. So reading them out the description of the boggart, getting them to from that reading of the story, then drawing it mm. as part of kind of the retelling of this story. Or if um, for the years five and six, I might give them the passage from the story and get them to read it themselves and to draw the um, the boggit and then put those pictures around the classroom or on your working wall and just, just again, just draw, teasing out the the way that the author, in this case, you know, Chip's adaptation, um, mm -hmm. creates 
in your mind lots and lots of different outcomes of what the boggit could possibly look like there might be some similarities but they're not all going to be exactly the same and drawing out really how the author does that how an image is put into your head by the way the writer writes and the author writes and then get the children to write their own character description in a bit more detail of the boggit so that maybe we could think about how what else would we need to say so the drawings became more like one another um so just kind of teasing out that um, with the older children as well. So using something that can be... So the character description in the boggit is definitely something we can use again across the school. So shows how good the story is. <laughs> well, if you've got the ebook or the printed version of this story, you are also going to have Mario Coelho's excellent interpretation of the boggit himself. So um, is that a reason, do you think, to hide the illustrations from the children until they've um, had the chance to explore this activity? Or would you make use of the illustrations in some way? I'm a bit of a firm believer of having a story exposed to children before they see a visual image. So that includes mm. film as well. You know, if they can read the story, they can use their imagination, then it's okay if they then see a film because they'll already have an idea in their heads. So I personally would really want to have the, the story told, let their imaginations run wild before you, you show illustrations. But it's really nice, isn't it, being able to say that there's not one right illustration. You can, just like when you're directing a play, there's lots mm. of different adaptations. There's lots of different ways you can present exactly the same information, but have a totally different outcome. I agree with Abby. I wouldn't share the illustration, particularly of the boggit initially. I might share other illustrations from earlier on in the story, hmm. but I wouldn't share the boggit one until we've done this activity because I think it it does, as Abby said, enable the children to use their imagination. Then you can show them this is someone else's interpretation, so you can put that up as part of your boggit gallery. Of course, one of the great things about working with uh, folk tales like this is that there are already loads and loads of different interpretations of the characters in particular. And when I was describing my boggart, I was trying to use a lot of the different descriptions of boggarts throughout history to inspire me. And um, boggarts are very local to the eastern side of the UK, um, but there are all sorts of other creatures that are very, very similar. I mean, the bogeyman is essentially a boggart. Um, I think in Suffolk, um, which is a little bit closer to where I'm based, we have boggles, which again, very similar. Um, up in Scotland, they actually do have bogies, um, which are, again, the, the similar kind of idea and things like um, silkies and even to a certain extent goblins and elves are all in the same sort of genre of creature. So you could perhaps have a look at these different types of folklore creatures as well and um, allow the children to have a go at creating their own uh, no folklore creature. That sounds really fun and I think for early years for that continuous provision where they're, they're actually learning through their play just mm. to have a puppet show with lots of different types of boggets. I would oh, love brilliant. to see a farmer character and then just lots of different visual um, on lolly sticks so they can just have a puppet show. That that would be that'd be fun to watch. Excellent. And if you did that going up the ages, I guess you could also start to bring in things like writing of scripts and more English ideas there. Definitely. You could write the, um, the Farmer Rob play script. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, they would really, really enjoy. I think it is a real, a real skill, isn't it? Turning a story into a play script with like di- stage directions and how things are said and spoken, rather than just taking what the and um, the clues you get from the written down version of the story. So I think yeah. the children would really like to do that, and it is quite challenging to to turn a piece of narrative writing into a play script. Mm-hmm. Has anyone got any other English activities or ideas? You know that I have, don't you? Go for it. As I said yesterday, um, we I talked about like really, really wanting to know what advice number two was. So mm. I would want to every t- um, stop and ask the children after every time it says, oh, wait, we can't ask. what." Um, let me tell you what advice number two is. Hold on, we've got to do this first. Um, I'd get them to pause in the story and make a prediction. What do they think advice number two is based on Ooh. what they know? Because each time you have a little bit more information about what's happened, so the crops and the, the worms, and um, each time the advice number two is not given. And then once you've got advice number two, I would want to ask the children if they would make um, a kind of guide to destroying boggets. I know we've yeah. only got two bits of advice, but I was thinking they might be able to think of some more because what if you came back? What if you didn't advice one and two didn't work? Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle your boggit then? So I'd want them to create a guide for the village in case Farmer Rob wasn't there or the boggit appeared in a different village um, yeah. and they could sell their advice book of how to deal with boggets. I'd also probably, I do enjoy a bit of Harry Potter, so I'd probably show them the boggit in Harry Potter as well, who's actually a shapeshifter. Um, and so ah. they turn, um, if you haven't read Harry Potter, the the way that they di- deal with their boggets is they make them into something less scary. So a boggit is their worst fear and they turn it into something funny. So like a snake becomes a jack-in-the-box snake oh. so that you laugh. So I think that I would show them that as well because that could be advice number three and then could they find some, think of some more advice or even as you were saying, Chip, thinking about the local area and what mythical creatures or creatures are local to you and maybe doing a guidebook of advice on how to deal with a whatever. Hmm. But I just thought that that was a really good opportunity as I really liked that. I loved the advice number two. Um, coming through so just thinking, we can well, tell what, what what other advice do we have for um capturing and destroying boggets so i think i thought the children would be really hooked um on that advice and would really enjoy doing that cool right do we have any more for english i would definitely want to draw up the vocabulary in this um story there's lots and lots of vocabulary that's specifically linked to farming and hmm. um, so if the children don't understand that i would probably read it to them first Obviously, pausing along the way, as you know, I love a good pause in the story and a prediction. Mm-hmm. But actually, once you've read it through with the children, then discovering the vocabulary in it. So there's lots about specific farming language. So, for example, the word scythe, so the, um, his blade that he cuts the crops down with. Well, they might have never come across that before. They might not know what it looks like. There's obviously a description in the story. But just thinking of the, the farming vocabulary that then if you mm. were going to get them to rewrite the story with farmer somebody else um, in a different place or a different setting, the children would really need to understand the vocabulary. And mm. we we always know that we want our children's writing to be full of these amazing words. They need to know uh, what they mean and collect them. And also there's some there are there's loads of great vocabulary in the story. So anything the children don't know, getting them to pick it out and um, finding a definition of it and trying to use it in their own writing. So many opportunities to do that within this story. Uh, good and there's been a big push on children's vocabulary and understanding what they're reading and giving those children who may not have heard many stories in their early childhood opportunities to learn loads and loads of new words hmm. 
perfect. So I really, I really like that. And it's just made me think of something that I saw an author do um, when she was doing some CPD for, for some schools um, in the Great Yarmouth area. Her name's Sita Bramachi, so I wouldn't want to, to not credit her with this is one of her things, not mine. But when you introduce a new story, actually giving the, the artifacts from the story to, to get that vocabulary out before you even read it. So before you presented the bugget, you know, in writing or, or reading it out, to get some wheat, some uh, blades of corn and to get the kind of clothing that you might wear as a farmer and mm. um, a pair of welly boots or anything else that, that's come out in the story, like uh, a potato or um, <laughs> something else. But actually just having those things in the classroom before mm. you do anything else, just to say, you know, OK, let, let's what are these and and have the all of the senses for it you know you have the touch you have the smell but you also learn the, the words behind what you've got there so that when you are then introduced to the story and um, it's particularly effective with things that aren't familiar I would not recommend taking a scythe into a primary school so don't <laughs> say that I'm saying that a big blade that <laughs> looks like a machine a photo of idea. one maybe a photo I think that's as far as we'd go <laughs> <laughs> no blunt instruments going into school but and um, that, that idea of introducing the vocabulary by having the things and, and going okay this is mm. what you're going to be hearing this is what you're going to be experiencing this is and it can be a great way of getting into the story as well especially if you have children who don't think that they like stories or who have uh, an aversion to story time or uh, a great way in is to pick up something like the photo of the scythe and say Do you know I, I knew a man who used to use one of these and actually ended up coming into a big contest with this creature that burst out from him in the middle of the farm. You, you just go into it nice and smoothly like that and they're hooked straight away. You can then finish that and you can ask them if they think that story was true. Um, you can start looking at all of the other description around it and, yeah, ev everyone loves a story. They just don't you always know it straight away. That's all we have time for today, folks. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world, so children everywhere can enjoy effective and lifelong learning. Tomorrow, Farmer Rob and the Boggart will help us teach maths. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! cheerio. And, and we, we hope, hope to hear, hear your story, story soon. soon.